Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today. And boy, we've been having just a great time over the last couple of weeks. Uh, my son Jeremy is on the set again with me today and will be for several programs. And uh, he's my oldest son, Jeremy. He pastors a great church in Winchester, Virginia. That's in the northern Virginia, but more over towards the west. And uh, just right off of Interstate 81. If you're in that area, or even an hour away, it's worth a drive, I believe, to come be a part of one of their Sunday morning services. There will be information on the screen in just a little while of their website or how to reach them. But he pastors a church called Word That Frees. And truly, they do preach a word that frees. And it frees you from religious bondage. It frees you from worldly bondage. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And it's a great honor to have you on again today, Jeremy, on the program. So welcome back. Always fun to be here. <laughs> We've been having a blast talking about, actually, uh, the inception of our television program really came as my youngest son, Jason, would hear us sitting talking on the porch. He said, you guys need to turn the cameras on because people want to listen to some stuff you're saying. So Jeremy hasn't been on with me for a while, but he is on with me today, and I want you to get used to him uh, because he's a great blessing. We've been talking about the book of Hebrews, and before I, we get into the meat of this, let me say to you again that and if you've missed any of these programs, you really do owe it to yourself to go back and watch the programs that we've archived. And they are available to you at no charge on YouTube. All you have to do is simply go to my website at lenhiles.com and there is all, that, that will be on the screen probably throughout the entirety of this program. There is right at the top little icons that are, are symbols of YouTube, and you can click on that. It will take you directly to our YouTube uh, page, and you can uh, watch everything we've archived. Uh, as long as we've been on TV, we've been putting them up, and you can go back and watch several hundred television programs. They're there for your leisure. But this series on uh, the book of Hebrews we've been doing for quite some time, and you can go back and review because it's impossible to bring all of what we have shared into a 30-minute segment. So that's available. Uh, if you'd like to redeem the time while you're in your automobile and you're driving somewhere or you're headed to work and you're stuck in traffic, go to our podcast on iTunes and listen to it, stream it, download it, whatever you want to do, and listen to it. There's also an RSS feed for your Android device so that you can get the Word of God in you from so many different ways. We are so thankful for all the stuff uh, that gives us the ability to reach literally around the world with the gospel. And so, uh, you know, if you, uh, I mean, there's no reason not to. It's so easy anymore to get the gospel. And you can go and get that, and, and I believe you'll be blessed to do so. Uh, they tell us that somewhere around 2.1 billion people have the potential to listen to us both through uh, television and through the internet stuff. So that's just a huge audience. So your partnership, when you help us, really is impacting a lot of people. Now to get in the Word, Hebrews 11 is where we're at, and we've been, we've filmed two segments already. But it talks about, again, these men of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is written to Hebrews. They are literal Hebrews in the first century that are the first ones to make the transition out of the Old Covenant and into the New Covenant. And as we shared with you, as they came to the end of Hebrews chapter 10, these Hebrews are wanting to go back uh, 
to Judaism, and Paul warns them not to draw back to perdition, but to them who believe to the saving of the soul. While they are seeing their loved ones you know, destroyed in the arenas. They are suffering the spoiling of their goods. They're under great persecution. Paul tells them in Hebrews 11, or whoever the author of Hebrews is, he says, look away from the immediate circumstance. Look at your heroes of faith and what they walk through because there's some things that happen by faith. There's some things that happen through faith. Sometimes you need faith when you're going through something. Sometimes there's a faith that gets you out of it. But all of these circumstances, he points them to the heroes of faith. Every one of these men of, of faith in Hebrews 11 did something in the visible realm that was a picture of the redemptive work of Christ. So they, these men did something. We've already touched Abel about how he offered a better sacrifice. It speaks of the sacrifice of Christ. We talked about Noah who didn't see death. We talked about the worlds being framed by the Word of God. But these men did something in the visible realm that was what they were hoping for would come some way out in the distant future. But for us, and for these Hebrews in the first century, he's saying now faith is a substance. Yep. In other words, he's saying we're not believing because we think God is going to do something. We're believing because He already has. Yep. So now we're not looking at the substance, or we're not looking at the shadow, we're looking at the substance. Now we're looking to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. We're not living in author faith, we're living in finisher faith. And we're believing because Jesus, through His redemptive work, has done something to bring us into there. Let me just read the scriptures and we're going to talk about Noah today because we went through some of them. It says, you know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And we're going to get into this one today. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not, yet, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Now this, is, this one's powerful. We can probably take a couple programs even to unpack this one. Because here's Noah whose name I believe means rest. I didn't look it up to be sure, but I'm pretty certain that his name means rest. He comes on the scene and God says to him, I want you to build something redemptive. Yep. I want you to build something that's going to be a vehicle that's going to carry you out of an old world dominated by sin and by the curse. And I want you to build this vehicle that's going to carry you into a new world where the curse has been reversed. Well, once again, everything that these men did was a picture of Christ. I'll try not to steal all the thunder here, but I want to unpack a little bit of this. But uh, Noah builds a, an ark. Well, every ark of the Bible is a picture of Christ. He is our vehicle out of an old world dominated by sin and by the curse. And he tells Noah, build this boat. Build something redemptive. 
it's going to rain. And the old world that then was is going to be destroyed by water. And so I want you to build an ark. And so uh, Noah begins to build this ark. And we know that this ark, again, is a picture of Christ because it is, you know, even the measurements. It's 30 cubits, which is the number for the blood of Christ. It's by 50 cubits, which is uh, the number for Pentecost. It's 300 cubits long, which is the number of divine completeness. It's a picture of the redemptive work of Christ. It has three stories in it. If I could say it like this, it has an outer court, a holy place, and a most holy place. It has inside this ark animals of all sorts, both clean and unclean. It has one door. His name is Jesus. It has one window above. So that if you're going to look out, you've got to look up. This ark is sealed. It says in Genesis, it says, And thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. The Hebrew word for pitch it there is the Hebrew word kephar, this is not an accident. It's the, it's the word we translate atonement. So what seals us in and seals out the world and the judgment that was out in the outer world, what was not in Christ, it was, what sealed us in was the precious blood, the atoning blood, the atonement work of Jesus Christ. It's not an accident that this ark takes off during the month that would be the Feast of Passover, and it lands on a mountain called Ararat in the seventh month, the 21st day of the month, which is during the Feast of Tabernacles. And it lands on a mountain called Ararat. And the word Ararat means the curse has been reversed. So what that's a powerful picture to me of is we get in Christ, who is our ark. We come through the waters of baptism, if you will, and we come up on the other side where the curse has been reversed. And then God opens the door, renews His dominion mandate, and says, same plan, different day, have dominion, subdue the earth. And a matter of fact, Genesis, and the chapter where they got out of that, if you read it in the uh, Message Bible, it says, I want you to live life lavishly. I'm trying to restore you back to the garden. I want to restore you back to my original intention. That probably ought to be enough for you to be able to jump in there and say a few things. Well, I, was, I was thinking, you know, because we're talking about this being, we, everybody calls this the faith chapter. Mm-hmm. Because by faith, everyone receives these things or did these things. <clears throat> Noah's day, you know, we, we hear that story and we focus a lot on the judgment side of it rain for 40 days and the you know, only people that were saved were those in the ark. But Noah, when he built that ark, and he built it according to the pattern by faith, you know, because again, we talked uh, a couple seg- or a couple weeks ago about how uh, at that point they never even seen rain, had never rained before, you know. So this was he was doing something. It took a lot of faith to do, but you know what? And we think about that, you know, is because God wanted to destroy sin in the world, and and that's that's true. But you know, when when while Noah was building that ark, Noah was also preaching about what was to come. And what kept them, what kept people out of the ark was not the sin, but it was their unbelief. Mm-hmm. Because if they would That's have believed, point. if yeah. they would have believed what Noah was preaching, they could have gotten to that ark as well and been saved. Their families could have been saved. But because they looked at what Noah was preaching and said, well, that, 
that sounds like foolishness. That sounds yeah. like, you know, a bunch of junk, and I can't believe What's that. What's rain, for instance? What's rain, and why are you building a boat in the middle of, you know, in the, the desert? They're not even near the water, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, uh, uh, you know, I, and even, you know, you would think, you know, okay, when they started seeing the animals come, maybe that might would change their mind. Like, you know, these things are just showing up and getting on a boat. That animals had like, more sense than the humans. You know, you would think, well, maybe, they, you know, maybe at least we could get on there and just wait it out and see what happens. But <laughs> there was, but it wasn't their sin that kept them off that boat. It was because they refused to believe what Noah was preaching. And so because they refused to believe what Noah was preaching, their unbelief really brought about their destruction. You know, and I think about... You know, sometimes you know we look at the we look at the world and we preach sin, and we we think it's it, it's the sin that keeps us from really receiving the promises of God, and that's really not the case. What mm. keeps us from receiving the promises of God is really a mindset that refuses to believe that it's possible. Yeah. You know, in other words, what re, what causes us to not live righteously is that we refuse to believe that we are the righteousness of God. What causes us sometimes, I believe, to even live in pain and misery in the earth sometimes is a refusal to believe that we're living in the promised land right now, that, that heaven is available to us, that the goodness of God is, is available to us. You know, in other words, we're preached suffering sometimes. And so we'd rather receive the suffering rather than receive when somebody begins to declare that, that God wants to give you the days of heaven on earth. You know, so mm -hmm. in other words, what keeps us really from entering in you know, because Christ to me isn't just, in other words, Jesus saved me. I got saved. Yeah. But that's not where it ended. You know, I didn't just get yep. saved from sin. That, that the continual life of Christ, the continual uh, being in union with him, the continual, in other words, if I could enlighten it like this, if Christ is the ark, my continual getting in and living in him, it didn't just save me from the destruction but it's also what brings me into, like you a said, a life. place that says, I want you to live lavishly. Yeah. I want to bring you into a place where you can, you can have the lavishness. Again, yeah. we thought, you know, we're liking it to what we've said a couple weeks ago, to live in giant houses, to eat giant, from giant vineyards, to have these things. What causes me to be able to have that is that I believed enough to get into Christ. I had enough faith to get into him mm -hmm. and allow his light to begin to work in me rather than go, well, this is all I can have. You know, in other words, we, you know, the, the scripture says you can believe a lie and be damned. You know, and I don't necessarily believe that means that, you know, uh, I'm going to hell. Right. You know, and I, and I believe that scripture can mean that as well. But I believe what that scripture is really believing is that, you know, I can believe some things that are lies. Yeah. And it will affect how I live my life. Yeah. You know, in other words, even that word itself, uh, damned, is from the same word we translate condemned. So yeah. he's talking about if you still live under that old covenant, you're believing a lie and you're condemned. Yeah. So it's not just about going to hell; it's about believing the, the judgment of an old covenant paradigm. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so you're, in other words, you you have this, and so you know, if we look at it like this. Right now, we have this ark called Christ available to us. There is a preaching of the gospel that's beginning to take place. I mean, a real preaching Absolutely. of the good news of Christ and not an old covenant mindset, not an old covenant judgment to come, but that there is a Christ that we can get into. It's available to every man, woman, and child. There is a redemptive vehicle called Jesus that not only just saves us, but also is the vehicle that will bring us into 
this new, uh, really back into a garden, yeah. back into a real relationship, back into a lavish, a place where you can have the lavishness of God. In other words, it'll bring you into heaven. And I'm not just talking about some place after what you die, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about a life of heaven right yes, here on sir. earth. It's available. We have that. And there's people that are preaching that good news. But what you have in the same regard is, a, is not just sin, but a real spirit of unbelief that almost fights anyone that begins to preach that good news that the God is good and he'll receive you even as you are. Yeah. You can get into him you can, and be saved. And not only just be saved, but also being brought into a place of that is life. better. Yeah. You know, and we, I could preach this even from a natural perspective. You know, we talk about, I know we've talked about this before, but my, my, our, my grandpa, your, your dad, who was a you know was an alcoholic uh, had the top taken off his lung was taking a bunch of pills was you know was really headed for death mm-hmm. and what happened is somebody began to preach that you could get into Christ and so you know we, and we we use this saying in my aunt's church and, and and stuff all the time that he he just simply went to his bedroom one night and said to the Lord if you save me I'll serve you that was the very thing that got him into Christ mm-hmm. but see not only did it just save him to get to heaven. But what it did was completely change the course of history, not just for him, but for me as well. Mm-hmm. Two generations, three generations later, even my, my kid, our lives are being affected by that decision, and, and not just his, but, you know. He built something redemptive. But he built something redemptive. Just like in Noah, you know, his family was saved. Yeah. If that's all you get, that's still pretty good. All he did was he didn't just look at the sin and say, this will keep me from getting in that ark. What he did was he said, you know, I'm going to believe enough to get inside the ark. I'm going to receive the word that's preached. I'm going to receive the word of faith and get into this ark. And I know he wasn't thinking when he said those words about his grandkids and great-grandkids being preachers and serving the Lord and all that stuff. All he was thinking about in that moment is, you know, I, I see there's a tra- there, there's something happening in my family, and I want to be a part of that, and I'm just going to ask the Lord into my heart. He got into this redemptive vehicle, and what happened is it completely changed the course of history because up until that point, our family was alcoholics. We were scoundrels. We were, you know, I, just hearing the story. But see, here's the thing. A couple of generations later, I never knew that side. Yep. All I've ever known is the life that this has produced. And what's happened is, it, it didn't just give him, like I said, it didn't just get him into heaven. Yeah. It wasn't just like, okay, if I ask the Lord, when I die, I get into heaven. But what it did was give his family, his children and his children's children, the opportunity to receive heaven here. Yeah. Where we didn't grow up in alcoholic so families. We didn't grow up in abusive homes. We didn't grow up, you know, uh, seeing uh, a world of crime. A world of crime and a world of of, of where you're you're constantly wondering is, is my loved one coming home? Are they going? If they come home, are they going to beat me? Or is this, you know? But but it completely changed our family to where it brought us out of really where we were in a world dominated by hell. Yep. To where his children's children never seen a world dominated by hell. We've seen a world that we could live lavishly, yeah. that, that it's brought real, it's, not, it's brought true happiness into our lives. It's brought real, uh, uh, a real life, you know. So in other words, you know, we can look at this stuff and preach, okay, God wants us to get rid of sin in our lives, and I believe he does, but it's more than that. Yeah. So, you know, the receiving and getting in, you know, if, if, if those people in Noah's day would have received his word, 
would have heard what he was saying and gotten to the ark. They would have received the same redemption that Noah and his family did. Yep. The only thing that the only difference between Noah and the others that perished in the earth was that Noah believed, built the ark, and got inside of it and let it bring him into a new world, while the others refused to get on that boat. To me, I I, I want to preach to a people a good news, and what I really want to see is people believe what I'm saying enough to try getting on the boat. Yeah. Because I believe if you ever just get on the boat called Christ, if you ever just get into Him, you're going to find that it's more than just getting to heaven. Yep. It's really about a life of heaven invading where you are. It, it will take you from a world dominated by, you know, because here's the thing. We preach hell. We preach, you know, well, you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. But the truth of the matter is there are people that are living in hell yep. right now. I mean, in our state alone, the, 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 the drug opiate addiction um, is out of control. I mean, people, and, and you, if you talk to an addict, if you talk to people in those states, the thing is, they don't want to be in that condition. You know, they really, but they don't see any other way out of it. They don't see any other ability to get out of that condition. But I'm, I want to tell you, there is a boat, there is a place called Christ, that no matter your circumstance, no matter what's happening, you can get into this boat. And it's not just so you can one day get to heaven. But it's to get the, the, the hell out of your life today. To get Because what happens before knowing them got in that boat, they were living in a world dominated by sin and the curse. But when they got out of that boat, they entered into a world that was Mount Ararat, mm-hmm. a place called rest. It was a place where, the, where, curse had been where the curse had been reversed. That can happen in your life today. And you're not getting on, you might not be getting on a literal boat, but you're getting into a place called Christ. And Christ, I'm telling you, there's something about faith. See, it seems dumb. It seems like that's yep. impossible that just simply asking Christ into my life can change all this, can, can change, can break addiction, can break this, this stuff out of my life. Absolutely, because it's happened in my family. And see, here's the thing. Don't just do it for yourself. Because here's the thing. Every addict in their heart doesn't want their kids to grow up like that. They don't want them to have the same thing happen to them that, 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 that's happening in your life. This, this simple decision to get into Christ can break that stuff from off your life. And not only break it from off your life, break it off your family's life and, and bring a place where your family would never have to experience the hell you're living in, yep. but begin to experience a heaven that you never imagined. That's what a boat called Christ can do. Yeah. That's the, that's the beauty of preaching the gospel. See, me, when you look at that, we preaching Christ out of, this, out, of that, out of Noah's Ark. Man, that's powerful to me. When you begin to realize that, man, this, this, all it takes, all it takes, because your sin, your addiction, your, the stuff that's plaguing you, that's not what keeps you from being able to get into Christ. What's keeping you from getting into Christ is that you don't think he'll accept you. You don't think that you're able, that you're good enough to get on that boat, that maybe you think, that I belong in the destruction that's taken place because of all the decisions I made. But I'm telling you, it's not the sin that's keeping you from getting off the boat or getting on that boat. It's simply the, the unbelief. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is waiting for you to get in him. He's waiting to, for you to receive him into your life and watch that change your, not only your life, but the course of history for your family. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm glad you pointed the camera talking because I know somebody got to be listening to that today, and and that just su- such a powerful thing. It's simply not earning. It's about you simply believing. And I was thinking while you were saying that, he said there was animals on that boat of all sorts, clean and unclean. Yes, sir. So you come into Christ just like you are. Yep. Clean or unclean, and then He takes you into Himself. The atoning blood 
seals you, and then it comes through the waters, which speak of baptism. Yep. You know, uh, what's interesting too is that when, you know, in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes down into the Jordan River. But here's the thing, before I even get to that, when Noah gets on this boat, of course his name means rest. He gets his family in there. It's something redemptive. It's a vehicle out of an old world dominated by sin into your new world. That new world is available on this side of the grave. Yep. It's the new man. It's the new life in Christ. Absolutely. But when, when he does that, when that ark comes to rest on Mount Ararat where the curse has been reversed, the Bible said he opened a window and he let two birds fly out. One of them was an unclean bird. I always tell people it flew all the way through the Scriptures and landed in the book of Revelation where Babylon has become the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. But the dove only had to fly to the book of Matthew where in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism a dove lands on Jesus. And when the dove landed on Jesus he just found the new world. He just found the olive branch. And that's probably why John recognized this is the Messiah, because the dove who was looking for the dove, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, was a bird that flew out of the ark. He's the clean bird. And he lands on Jesus. And what that bird was saying is, right here is the new world. It's a life in Christ. Right here, you know, even as you go through, uh, you know, uh, even the symbols and the the process of what you do in the earth to identify with His death through faith, you you believe and then you're baptized. When you come up out of the waters of baptism, you enter into a new life and a new land, Romans chapter 6 says. That old life has passed away, but that bird landed on Jesus right there in the middle of the Jordan River saying, right here's the new world. And then a rainbow was put in the cloud in, in Genesis chapter 6, I believe it is, when Noah came. God put a bow in the cloud. He said, this is the token or the symbol of my covenant. Because I could promise you the next morning that when, you know, after Noah was on that new world for a little while, first time probably a cloud rolled up and the thunder pealed, he's thinking, oh man, God's going to do it again. And you would live in constant fear. But when God put that bow, he said, every time you see that rainbow, I'm going to remind you that I'm never going to do this again. Because they they were saved by a flood. God destroyed the world by a flood, but He saved the world by the blood yep. in the New Testament. Well, you and know, even in you know, even the prophet, I think it was Isaiah said, you know, in a little wrath I hid my face from you, mm-hmm. but with everlasting uh, love will I look on you again. In other words, He'll never turn His back mm-hmm. on you. That that prophecy was about Jesus. Yeah. You know, that in a little wrath, the wrath that came upon Jesus where He was crucified, He was bruised for our iniquity, mm-hmm. the chastisement our peace laid upon Him, by His stripes we were healed. That's when God for a moment turned his back on yes. us. But in, so, so in other words, you know, what keeps people from entering Matter of fact, in? Isaiah said, this is as the waters of yeah. Noah to me, and he's describing the work of Isaiah 53 in chapter 54. Yeah. What keeps people from receiving the, the goodness of God is they think that my, my sin got me here and I deserve this, and they refuse to get into the ark. But if we begin to change our mind and realize that, that the judgment of Christ was my judgment, and just getting in Him means I get everything I deserve, but I also get brought into a new world. That's the thing I want people to hear today, is that just simply get into Christ. Your sin will not keep you from getting in there. The only thing that keeps us from getting into Christ is our unbelief. Yep. So today, if you just believe that He will accept you and receive you, man, it'll change your world forever. Scripture said if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, 
you will be saved. It's that simple. Your life can turn around this very moment. Why don't you just receive it today? We're just about ready to run out of time. Uh, if you'd like to, just I'm not even going to talk about sowing seeds in the ministry, but just simply receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It doesn't give you a bunch of stuff to do except that you believe. And I believe as you've heard this today and faith hits your heart, it can turn things around for your life and your family. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.